In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the kids up through the 12th grade please come forward? from? Where's that music from? Anybody know? Anybody? Where? What's Susie? Charlie, Charlie Brown. Brown. Christmas. It's about that time of year, isn't it? So if you watch Charlie Brown on Christmas special, you can, you can, you'll hear that. Anyway. So, first Sunday of Advent, right? Happy New Year. Happy New Year for the church anyway. The, the world and we celebrate January 1st as the new year in the world. But in the church, this is a brand new year starting today, the first Sunday of Advent. How many of you believe that Jesus came down, that God came down from heaven and became flesh as a little baby? How many of you, you believe that? You believe that? How many of you believe that Jesus is going to come again in great glory and majesty. The whole world will see him. How many of you believe that? Yeah. I think that's what the Bible says, right? And we have to expect that, don't we? And in fact, the Bible tells us to prepare ourselves, to prepare the church, to prepare the world for that great moment in history when Jesus will come again. And the whole world will see him. But he says, so how do we prepare ourselves for something like that? How do you, how do you get ready for that? Well, if you still read your Bible, if you still pray. If you still read your Bible, if you still pray, you, you kind of begin to see what he's talking about, what God is talking about. So, yeah, you do. In fact, even the gospel lesson today begins to give us signs. When you see these signs then be ready because Jesus, I happen to believe that it's really close. I happen to believe that Jesus will be coming soon. And I don't know what soon means, but I see the signs and I believe that Jesus is going to come right around the corner. It could be tomorrow. It could be a hundred years, but right around the corner, Jesus is coming soon because if we pay attention to the signs he talks about in the Bible, we, we, we're ready. And the way we stay ready is you just mentioned that we pray, we read our Bibles, we gather together as brothers and sisters in Jesus, as the church. We gather together to, to do all these wonderful things that Christians have done for 2,000 years. And, and as we gather together and begin to see the signs all around us, we prepare our hearts to receive Jesus and be ready for Jesus when he comes again. If we're off in our own world doing the things that only we want to do that don't, doesn't concern the church, then we might not be ready when Jesus comes. 
But when we hang out together and read the Bible together and, and receive the sacrament of the body and blood of Christ together and, and have fellowship together, we prepare ourselves and we'll all look together and see Jesus and we'll all, we'll all be with Jesus, all of us together. That's what Advent is about, getting ready. Not only for what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but God come down from heaven as an infant, as a baby, and grew up and died and rose again and, and, and ascended back to heaven. He's coming again in glorious majesty, and we have to be ready for that. That's what Advent is about. We prepare ourselves for that, okay? So let's do this together. We'll join hands, and we'll do this together, all of us. We, we won't do it by ourselves. We'll all be together as the church, okay? All right? Okay, thank you for coming up here. If you want to get a packet, you can get it from Mr. Shane Deer over there. And now we'll listen to Father Canon, Reverend Subdean Aaron. Good morning. Advent blessings to you. As you might know, Advent basically means arrival. An arrival. And we are called to wait and prepare. This morning, I'm going to emphasize waiting. But who are we waiting for? Who is coming? Who are we preparing to encounter in all of his glory? This morning, I'm going to emphasize our Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 64. It really brings together the common theme that we find in all of the texts that we've read this morning. A deep longing, a deep longing for God to intervene, a deep longing for God to be involved in our lives. This text emphasizes our dependence upon him, our corruption before him, And it makes promises concerning what he will do to transform us. This text is situated in the middle of a longer prayer. And this prayer expresses the deep longing to encounter the true and living God. And to experience the ways in which he shows his presence and his power. It's a pleading prayer. It's a prayer that emphasizes a zeal for God's glory, his might. He reviews, Isaiah reviews the goodness of God as demonstrated in the past. But he's also reviewing the present distress that his people find themselves in. 
As many of you know, my family and I are making a, what has turned out to be a disruptive transition uh, here to Houston in order to be a part of this church family. We began with zeal, enthusiasm, but it seems that at every turn, something has gone wrong. We find ourselves crying out, much like Isaiah, representing God's people, crying out, saying our heart is not well. We're tempted to distress. We're tempted to discouragement. We're tempted to be downcast and to even doubt. Why isn't God doing something to change our circumstances? Why won't you do anything, it seems? Well, this text resonates with every one of our experience at one point or another, struggling, wondering, wanting, longing, yearning, for God to show himself in all of his might. The images in this text are incredible. These images emphasize God's holiness, his might, altogether pure, altogether different than creation, altogether wonderful. And that is what we emphasize during Advent, is the wonder, the wonder that we experience when we consider him who we wait for. The problem of this text, though, is that there's a, an incredible contrast here. As soon as we consider, in the midst of our troubles even, we consider the, the glory, the grandeur, the might, the holiness of God, crying out that he might change our circumstances, we become, at least I become, acutely aware of what the text says about my being unclean. Even my good deeds being like a polluted garment. Being tempted in our doubt to be, to wander away from the very presence that we're crying out to experience. The problem is this. How can a holy God, on the one hand, commune, be in unity, in union, with an unholy people. We cry out, why isn't God doing something about my circumstances? But we realize right away, he has a bigger agenda. He doesn't just want to change your circumstances, he wants to change you and me. He wants to change us, making us a holy people who can dwell in joy with him for eternity. Two quick points this morning. What does this text instruct us to do during this Advent season? 
First, it tells us to wait for him who serves us. And secondly, it says to walk with him who loves us. So we wait and we seek to walk with him, emphasizing the being with him. When I was working on campus at Georgia Tech, I was doing campus ministry there, having great fun, and I would get calls every fall. Every fall, a parent would call me, a concerned parent, who says, I want you to find my child and make sure that they, be, that they become involved in campus ministry. And I remember one student, Kurt, his dad called, and there was a good reason that Kurt's dad was concerned. Kurt did not want to be found, but he did extend me the courtesy of having a cup of coffee so we could chat. And he said to me, I'm not gonna really be around the campus ministry that much. You probably won't see me. And I said, oh, okay, why? He says, well, I don't, I don't believe all this stuff. I said, what stuff is that? And he says, all this God stuff. And I said, okay, which God are you talking about? And he says, in a puzzled sort of way, you know, the old man in the sky who is angry and he throws some people into hell, throws some people into heaven, and he's just collecting a bunch of slaves for himself to do everything that he says. And I wasn't being clever. I was just being honest. And I said, well, I don't believe in that God either. And he kind of looked at me as if he were staring at some sort of hypocrite. I said, I don't believe in that God. I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I believe in the God who's shown his love in the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is unique, unlike anything you could even imagine. And that's what our text emphasizes, the unique character of the true and living God. This is the God who is coming and for us, he has already come, and he will come again. We are preparing for one who needs nothing from us. Consider Paul's teaching in the book of Acts, where he says, God is not served by human hands, as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. He needs nothing from you. He is completely satisfied. This is important to emphasize because we are called to wait for the one who serves us. You don't serve him. He serves you. We need help from him. He needs nothing from you. 
That should cause you to experience a bit of joy. He is not looking for slaves. He's the one who seeks to serve those who he loves. We are called to wait for the one who serves us. A patient, expectant faith. A truly simple, unwavering trust in God's promises. But we're also called to walk with him who loves us. When I was very young, uh, it was always exciting to go to Nana and Papa's house. We'd stay for extended periods. My grandmother, she was a very particular person. Everything was just right. In fact, she was one of these people who would actually iron the bed sheets. And so when you slid in, it was cool and smooth, and it was the most wonderful sleeping experience. I don't think I've experienced anything like that since. <laughs> so the beds, to make the bed, was a very big deal. She delighted in preparing the beds for the grandchildren. And she wanted us to help. To make sure it was just right. And so we would fumble along next to her, trying to get the corners the way she would get them. And we would mess it up. And she would laugh. And she would fix it until it was just right. Now, did she need my help? No. I actually made it more difficult to accomplish the work. But why did she call me to participate in this activity? She wanted to be near me. She wanted to be with me. Who is the one who is coming? Who is the one we are waiting for, we're preparing for? He is the one who loves you and is doing everything necessary to be with you in fullness. And he has come in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen to the character of God expressed in Christ. Christ says in Mark 10 that you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is the love of God. You don't serve him, he serves you, but we get to participate. We get to walk with him in a life of service. Not because we're getting anything out of it, but the joy of it to be near him, to be about what he is about.
This is our high calling. And these are the two conditions in this text. The two conditions for God's presence are to wait and to walk with him. But these are unmet conditions in our lives. I am terrible at this. I want it fixed now. I'm tempted to do things my way. I'm tempted to get rather than give. Can you identify with that? And that's why in verse 5, Isaiah asks the question, shall we be saved? Really? A holy God in an unholy people. How's this going to work? To be in his presence would destroy us. We need to be transformed. How does this happen? We look to the face of Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice two things. When you look on the face of Jesus Christ, you see two things happening at one and the same time. You see God demonstrating, expressing his love and fulfilling every promise. But at one and the same time, you see Jesus expressing what it means to be truly human. Fulfilling every obligation that you have to God. He's done it for you. So to be near Christ, to be walking with Jesus is to be a part of this restored relationship. He fulfills both sides of the relationship at the same time. He's done it all. Everything is from him, through him, and to him. Our calling is to stand in wonder this Advent. Who are we waiting for? We are waiting for the one who serves us. Who are we preparing for? The one who calls us to walk with him because he loves us. He's making us new. We stand in wonder as those being transformed by his, the power of his spirit and according to his word. This is who we await. This is who is coming again. We know the true and living God. And now we expect wonderful things to come for our family here at St. Timothy's. Amen.